continuing our uh, our walk through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, today, we are going to be looking at Matthew. Six, five through eight, and so this this is the little preamble to what we know as the Lord's Prayer. So next week, Dan will get a chance to talk to you about the Lord's Prayer. But this is that little preamble that begins uh, just before the Lord's Prayer that introduces the Lord's Prayer. So I have to say this: uh, recently, this past year, I got to MC a, a banquet. Uh, that was a missions banquet uh, for uh, an Assembly of God organization that that I have known and been a part of for 10 years. And they were celebrating their 10th anniversary. And so they invited me and they said, Orlando, would you emcee the evening? I said, I'd love to emcee the evening. And so one of the things, obviously, as the emcee is that very first thing I did was pray for the beginning of the evening. Uh, one of my Assembly of God pastor friends came up to me. Uh, at, right after the banquet and said, Orlando, I can tell you've been, uh, you've been with uh, Presbyterians a while now. <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> Why is that? And he says, well, uh, you, you don't pray like an Assembly of God pastor anymore. You pray like a Presbyterian. I was like, oh, and I think what he meant is typically Assemblies of God ministers have that passion in their voice when they're praying. And I prayed a very simple laid back prayer. But what he didn't realize is I've never prayed like an Assembly of God pastor. (laughs) Even when I was an Assembly of God pastor. And part of that is I had done it that way for a long time growing up. Just a very wanting to be passionate, wanting to pray like the people around me that I had heard prayed, that I respected, and that I loved. And then I realized, the more I learned about prayer, one of the things that everyone says is prayer is just having a conversation with God. And I realized that when I have a conversation with Steve... I'm not like, Steve, well, now I'm telling you, Steve, that I just need right now, Steve, for you to do me a favor, Steve. Can you please do me that favor? I don't talk like that when I'm having a conversation. And so, yeah. And so I realized that what he thought was not praying like an Assemblies of God pastor, really it was me just praying with an understanding of what prayer is. And prayer is having a conversation with God. And I talk with him just like I talk with anybody. And sometimes I, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I talk with him and I laugh. And sometimes I talk with him and I cry. And sometimes I talk with him and I'm mad. And sometimes I talk with him and I'm excited and I can't hardly get words out because I'm just so excited. But prayer is nothing more and nothing less than simply talking to God. And it's amazing. It's, it's amazing that it's that simple, that it's simply a conversation. But at the same time, the person I'm having that conversation with is the God of the universe. I get to talk to him like I talk to you. 
I get to chat with the God of the universe. I don't have, uh, what's our mayor's name? Ginger Nelson. Nelson. I always want to call her Ginger Rogers. (laughs) And I know that's always wrong. I don't have Ginger Nelson's telephone number. I can't call her and say, hey, Ginger, here's what's going on on my street. And I need your help to get it fixed. I don't have the phone number to Greg Abbott or to Donald Trump. I don't have the phone number to representatives or very many people of influence and power. But I do have immediate, unfettered access to the God of the universe. That's what's amazing to me. That I get to walk in unannounced into the presence of the God of the universe. There's one picture that for me is one of the most amazing pictures. That, uh, that It was one of my favorite pictures. And it's a picture of John F. Kennedy sitting in the Oval Office behind, uh, I believe they call it the Resolute Desk. And there's some openings at the very bottom of that desk. And peeking through that opening is his son, John John who could walk in there and climb under the desk or into his daddy's lap, and no one's going to say, nope. Come on, John John, sit down. That's the kind of access that we have with the Father. So as we talk about prayer, um, I really want you to do, keep that, keep that, it's almost an oxymoron in mind. Keep the idea that you get to just converse with God in mind, but balance that out with the idea that you're conversing with God. That's kind of heavy duty. Uh, so we're going to start with Matthew, uh, chapter six. Um, we're going to we're going to go piece by. We're going to kind of uh, we're not going to read it all. We'll read it all at the end, uh, but we are going to read bits and pieces of it, um, just as we go through. Uh, so it just Matthew chapter five. Uh, rather, Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 5. So just kind of keep it there. Uh, we'll kind of come back to it. We'll read a little bit, talk a little bit, read a little bit, talk a little bit. So the very first thing is it starts off this way. And when you pray. This is the very first lesson. I didn't get very far in because literally what I did is I thought, you know what? I'm going to sit down and I'm going to walk through and see what lessons jump out at me as I walk through. I didn't get very far before I got to our very first lesson. And our very first lesson is based around this word. What do you think the very first thing I thought of was when I read, and when you pray? It's not an option. It was not Jesus saying, and if you pray. There is an expectation that prayer is one of the spiritual disciplines that those who call themselves children of God will undertake. There's this expectation that we are going to pray. Prayer is an expected part of the Christian life. So, uh, so let's, let's say this. Uh, let's, let's be clear. Prayer is kind of an expectation. But do, if we are honest, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, uh, 
How many of you pray? A study was done not too long ago that said on average, someone in pastoral ministry prays about 20 minutes a week. That's pastors, right? Hopefully, and I, I know Howard and Murray, especially Murray well enough to know Murray does more than 20 minutes a week, right? Murray makes up, Murray breaks the, breaks the curve a little bit. Uh, but that's pa- people in pastoral ministry, typically 20 minutes a week. If I were to ask you how serious you take prayer, I guarantee you all of us would say, I take it very seriously. If I were to ask you how long you spend in prayer, some of us would be embarrassed by our answer. And that's okay. I'm not condemning. I'm not, I, I want you to understand. It is not, uh, oh, because we're going to talk about something in just a second. It isn't about it being works-based. But do we really recognize that we have this opportunity to talk to the God of the universe? And how much do we take advantage of that? Growing up, I watched Batman. I watched the reruns. Uh, some of you in here might have watched the original. Some of you in here might have been too old to watch the original. I don't know. Right? I was always impressed in Commissioner Gordon's office. Under the red uh, cake, uh, under the, the glass cake cover was that red phone that connected him to, straight to, Batman. I, if I had that phone, I couldn't keep, I wouldn't be able to keep my hands off of it. I'd be calling Batman left and right. I'd be like, hey, I'm hearing something in my alley. Can you come check my alley? You know, I'd be calling Batman for every little reason. And sometimes we forget that we have. So let's look at a scripture. Let's look at a scripture really quick. And that scripture is 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Someone, when you get it, uh, someone read it out for me. A very short, uh, three words. I could have done it from memory, but I chose to have someone else read it for me. But it simply is pray without ceasing. Three words. Does anyone have any, any, um, does anyone have any other translation that says anything even a little bit different? Never stop praying. Pray continually. Pray without ceasing. Anyone have anything any, any little different? I liked, I liked the, I, who, who said never stop praying? What, 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 uh, Mike, what is that version? Just out of curiosity. The NLT. I like, I like that because it makes it really, really clear what the expectation is on you and me. And that expectation is never stop praying. Pray without ceasing. Keep praying. How many of us really put that into practice? And the next question is, how can we put it into practice? What are some of the things that stood out to you as, as you talked at your table? What, do, what is praying without ceasing? Praying and not stopping? Uh, always praying? What, does that, what is that? And what might that look like in a practical way? From your table talk.
Okay, so it's this idea of praying frequently without ceasing, because when I'm doing one thing, I can't necessarily be doing something else. Good. Someone else? Yes, ma'am. I love that. It's this idea of recognition that we're dependent on God, so we talk to Him very frequently. Steve? He was just saying that she does need to sleep occasionally. Yeah, she does need, we do need to sleep occasionally. That is absolutely correct. That is absolutely correct. Anybody else? What does it look like in practice? That's great. So, so here's my take on it. Uh, pray without ceasing. Uh, uh, what was it, uh, Mike? What was your version again? Never stop praying. I think has a lot to do with attitude and a lot to do with recognition that God is in control. And I think what it looks like is that you find yourself having these many spontaneous conversations with God throughout the day. Right? It's not being on your knees. Understand, there is a time for that. There is an appropriateness to that. There is uh, an appropriateness to saying, I'm blocking out these X minutes, X hours, if you'd like, on this day at this time, solely to sit down and talk with God. My wife and I do that. We have a relationship. That relationship is supposed to reflect the relationship that the church has with the Father. And so there are moments that my wife and I say, you know what, let's go out on a date without the kids and just have adult conversation that has nothing to do with uh, anything other than what we want to talk about. It's just you and me. There's time for that. Just like in a marriage relationship, there's time for that in a, 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 the, our relationship with God. But also, my wife and I don't schedule every conversation that we have. We might be driving down the highway, and all of a sudden I think, you know what, Dina? I forgot to mention to you that, and then we'll start a conversation. Was it planned? No. Was it spontaneous? Yes. But it's almost as if we had never stopped talking. And that just led in, do you have those friends that you haven't seen for 20 years that when you see, you just pick up the conversation where it just kind of left off? There's no awkwardness again. There's no formalities again. You see each other, oh my goodness, hug each other. And then you just start going, 90 miles an hour. I love seeing when friends like that get together. And that's the way it is with God. We don't, God doesn't drop our conversation we just kind of pick up where we left off. And he knows everything anyway. And so, I, and so I just, I love, I love talking with him. And sometimes I'm, I'm uh, uh, Tamala mentioned, sometimes I'm driving down the, 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 the street and I see a sunset, a beautiful sunset in the morning. I'm like, you did that for me, didn't you, right? And it's just this converse, a real conversation that I have. That's the way it looks like in my life. And you can find your translation of what that looks like also. Dale. Sure. Absolutely, Dale. Absolutely. No one has a conversation and dominates the conversation. And if you have a conversation with someone that dominates the conversation, you are thinking, I wish they would shut their mouth so I could get a word in. Continued. 
Yeah, it's exactly. I like that idea. When you end a prayer, it's almost like to be continued. And you know you're going to come back to that and continue that conversation with God. But that's what that attitude of prayer looks like. And it's not even dominating the prayer with, let me tell you, God, and God wants to speak to you too, but we often don't give him a chance because we're so busy rattling off what we want. We're busy rattling off our Christmas list. It's like those kids that sit in Santa, Santa Claus' lap. And Santa's like, he asks one question, so what do you want for Christmas? And then they don't stop. And they, Mama has to pry them away. because. So it's this, again, conversation, dialogue. It's this back and forth between me and God. But it doesn't stop there. So it, th- that first word I got to was when. And when you pray, you must not be... Like what? So the second word I got to, I didn't get very far, and I got to hypocrites. Can I tell you something? This is going to surprise you. Hypocrites pray too. So this kind of balances out this idea that prayer is an expectation, but do not begin to gauge your spirituality by the amount that you pray, because guess what? You can be a hypocrite and have an exhaustive prayer life. Prayer isn't what makes you spiritual. There's one thing that makes us right before God, and it isn't the amount of time that I pray. What's the one thing that makes us right before God? Our relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ alone. Faith alone. Christ alone. Grace alone. It's Jesus. It is... Is, is prayer important? Yes, it's important because it is part of the expectation of what it's like to live this Christian life. That is important. But if I pray more than Alan, am I more spiritual than Alan? Not necessarily. It all depends on what my attitude is. Hypocrites pray too. Um, Romans chapter 5. Someone Romans chapter 5. Verse. I love that. Because we've been justified by faith. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. It doesn't say because we've been justified by our prayer life. We have peace with God. It's we have been justified by faith. So growing up, I, I mentioned this before, I grew up in an Assembly of God environment. Uh, the expectation was uh, that you would pray an hour a day. An hour a day. I remember being 12, 13, and 14 and feeling terrible because I was not filling my prayer quota an hour a day. When you're 12, 13, and 14, you don't do anything an hour a day. But that was, that was what was... Oh, if you want to be spiritual, here's what it looks like. An hour a day. I'm like, man, I'm missing that by like 57 minutes. <laughs> right? But what I didn't understand it, is it wasn't my prayer life that made me stand righteously before God. Prayer doesn't make you righteous. Prayer connects you to God. And the sacrifice of Christ is the only thing that brings about my righteousness. Yes, sir. You know, sometimes you pray all the time, but you still got to get fixed. Sure. Sometimes you got to ask somebody to help you. 
Yeah, yes. yeah. So you, you can pray all the time. Yeah, and uh, you know we'll probably talk about this uh, next week when you think about the uh, uh, the Lord's prayer. Uh, give us this day our daily bread. That's part of the Lord's prayer. When we pray that, do we then sit down and wait for bread to fall from heaven in parachutes? No, we still we still actively work, and so understand that prayer is not should not be a measure of your spirituality. If you are in a relationship with Christ, it's, prayer is going to be really easy. But don't look at someone and say, oh, they're so spiritual, look at how they pray. And, and it's going to connect a little bit with this next, with this next idea. So uh, you must not be like the hypocrites. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. And here's this next idea. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. So that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Understand that prayer is not a show. When I pray, I don't pray so that you can be impressed with how I pray. And if I'm praying so that Stan looks at me and says, Man, Orlando can pray. Guess what I am? I'm a hypocrite and I'm doing it for all the wrong reasons. Do my family and I pray when we go out to eat at a restaurant? Yes. But I don't make a big show of it. But at the same time, guess what? We also pray when we're eating at home. I mean, that's just part of how the Lopez eat food. We pray. I'm not doing it so that hopefully someone next to me thinks, Oh, look at that sweet family. Let me pay their check. It's not why it's happening, right? But sometimes we forget that prayer is for an audience of how many? One. I had an experience while I was at Young Life Training that reminded me of this. We were in a, a session called uh, Moving Towards More Inclusive Ministry that really was about asking, who is not sitting at your Young Life table? Why aren't they sitting there? And what can we do to make them feel welcome, right? Um, and so it's about minorities sitting at the table. Uh, Young Life has a ministry called Capernaum that is for special needs. It's basically Young Life for special needs kids. And uh, Young Life has, uh, it's called Club Beyond, which is Young Life for kids who are on army bases. And, young, you know, just lots of different elements of Young Life. And who's not at the table? And let's how do we include them? Because if we aren't, actively including them, if we're not thoughtfully including them, then we're going to unthoughtfully exclude them. It's just, it's, it's not, we're not going to think about excluding them, but that's just is what's going to happen if we're not actively including them. And so uh, we prayed for, there was a sweet couple. Uh, he was um, an Anglo, but he was Presbyterian, so he was all right. 
he was an Anglo. She was half German and half Mexican. Um, and so it was, it was a, a sweet couple. And we finished the, the talk about inclusion. And they said, who wants to pray, right? And I thought, I love what they're talking about. I love what they're standing for. I love this idea. I said, I'll pray. And so they said, all right, let's pray. And my first thought was, my first instinct was just to take off praying in Spanish. And then my second instinct was, you can't do that. There's a bunch of people in here that don't understand Spanish. And so it, my prayer, I'm not going to lie, was the most mumbled, jumbled prayer that I'd ever prayed. I, it felt like I was learning to drive stick. You know, that's the way my prayer. And then I realized, you know what? I should have just prayed in Spanish because the prayer wasn't for anyone in the room anyway. It wasn't even for the people standing in the, in the front of the room to hear. It was a prayer that was intended to be for an audience of one. And I made a mistake because for a minute, it wasn't about talking to the one. It was about making sure everyone else in the room was comfortable. Well, you know what? If they weren't, if they came up to me and said, you know what, Orlando? That praying in Spanish made me nervous because I didn't know if it was Spanish or tongues. <laughs> Don't know either one. My answer would have just been, you know what, that's okay. Because it wasn't for you anyway. It's for him, and he understood every bit of it. I regret it now, but I don't have a time machine to go back and do that. But it was, it was one of those things that I just need to remember that when that happens, my prayers for an audience of one. Yes, ma'am. That is a good thing. Uh, there, is a, there is room for corporate prayer and us praying together. Having said that, I guess we should also clarify that while that is a good thing, it's, prayer is still just a God thing. So I can lead a corporate prayer, and we can all be praying corporately, and my part of the corporate prayer can look different than your part of the corporate prayer, because... I look different than you. And so what that that needs to that's a reminder for those of us on the on the leading of the corporate prayer side. It's one but it's also a reminder for those of us on the on the corporate part of the corporate prayer side. Whatever the guy at the front does, you just keep praying. You just you just keep praying your prayer. We're praying corporately, and God's going to figure it all. God's going God's to sort through it the way only God can, because ultimately it's all directed to Him anyway. And I think the big difference for me was, in that moment, I wasn't praying to God to please God. I was praying in a way that I wanted to please the people that were sitting around me. And there, there was a little difference there. I don't know if that makes any sense. So uh, prayer is not, prayer's not a show. Uh, it's this same concept that's, uh, that Dan probably talked about last week, Matthew 6. Someone read Matthew 6, uh, 2 through 4. When you, It's just right above where we are. So Matthew 6, 2 through 4. Whenever you've got it, you can read it, please. So it's this idea of not being showy. 
have you met those, have you ever met people who are showy with their prayers? I have, and they drive me crazy. I'm not going to lie. I'd rather a nice, simple, sincere prayer than a beautifully executed prayer that's done for show. Ultimately, God's the one that has to figure it out. But sometimes you just you get this feeling. Um, and I like that idea of don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Right? Um, and we, we can continue with that same idea, uh, with this next idea. It says, uh, For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues, that they might be seen by others. Truly I say to you, again, this is a repetition of that idea that we just heard. Uh, they've already got their reward. Uh, if, if you are praying so that others can see you, you've got as much out of that prayer as you're going to get. Right? But here's, here's the opposite end of that. Here's the solution end of that. But when you go, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. I was intrigued by that idea. Shut the door. Why? Is he saying, when you pray, shut the door? I like that. I like focus. He, he, he could very well say today, and when you pray, turn off your cell phone. Because it's that idea of shutting the door. It's an idea of focus. I love that. Nobody sees you. Why is that important? It's so nobody sees you. And there's this idea that for me goes along with nobody sees you. And it's this idea of, well, it's this idea of intimacy. There's things that I shut the door for because they're intimate things that no one needs to see. No one needs to see Orlando changing in the changing room. So Orlando goes and shuts the door, right? No one needs to see uh, just lots of different things. And so when we want to do these things that, that are intimate things, we shut the door because there's an intimacy about them. Prayer's intimate. Prayer is this idea of intimacy with God. And it's something you share with God and it isn't something that you put on display for everyone to see and be impressed by. Because you wouldn't do that with something intimate. There's this, um, I, rem- I heard the story about this group. I can't even remember who was leading the group. Um, but they were, they were down helping after Katrina. Uh, they were helping um, with the relief efforts after Katrina. And obviously there was so much news media down there during the time. And, um, there was a church group down there, and they had gathered together to pray to begin their day as they were going to start their, their work. And as they're praying, just as they finish, a camera crew walks in, and before, you know, they're praying, and before they can get everything set up, they finish the prayer. But the reporter recognized that that was a very touching and newsworthy moment. 
So we asked them to recreate the moment. Can you all pray again so that we can film it? So that we can put it on the news? And the pastor's reply was, no. We didn't do it for you or to be filmed or to be on the news. We did it because we were spending this intimate moment with God. And I'm not going to recreate that. I'm going to shut the door because this is an intimate. See, the opposite idea would, there would have been people that would have been, yeah, let's redo that. And I'll just pray a little nicer. I'll pray a little better. You know, it's better off the second time because I know what I should have said. You know, but that's not the case, that, the way it should be. It's this idea of prayer is this intimate time where you're really drawing near to God and sharing those things that weigh you down. Maybe that even frustrates you. There's this uh, verse out of James. James chapter 4, verse 8. Someone read me James 4, verse 8. It's this idea that uh, come draw near to God, come close to God, and God's going to come close to you. And it's, it's this idea of connection and intimacy. And the amazing thing that as we come in prayer and draw near intimately with God, I take this little step towards God. And God crosses the universe for me. And we have this time together that's amazing and beautiful, especially since it's just um, he and I. There's an old hymn. Does anyone remember it? I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear calling in my ear, the Son of God discloses. I love y'all, but y'all aren't invited into my garden. You're going to mess it up. (laughs) But that's the way it should be. Yes, yes, Dan. I like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jesus says, y'all stay here because I've got some intimate work to do with the Father. What, so that looks like maybe actually going into a room and closing the door. But uh, it looks a little different for everybody. I knew, uh, I went to school with uh, a gentleman whose grandmother was a prayer warrior. And uh she couldn't go into her room and shut the door. But she always wore a, a, an apron. And when she felt the need to pray, she'd be standing in the middle of the kitchen. And that apron would come over her head. And she was focused and distraction free. And you knew if grandma had her apron over her head, you were not to disturb her because she was talking to the God of the universe. She was in prayer. She was having an intimate moment with God, and no one else was around in that moment. Shut the door. <clears throat> so, um, 
when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they might be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you go pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. Uh, did I miss something? Oh, okay, yes, yeah. Uh, and when you and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard. The phrases jumped out at me. And I realized that my prayers don't impress God. My words don't impress God. Sometimes I try to impress Him. I think if I can just pray a pretty prayer, God will work on my behalf. Not one word you say impresses God. Because the words you say have no power compared to the words that he says. Psalm, Psalm 33. Psalm 33, verses 8 and 9. Someone read that really quick. We've got to, I love that. My words don't impress God because my words jump out and fall to the floor. Zero power in my words. Whereas his words, when he spoke, Boom! It came to be. That's my theory. That's my big bang theory. Right? God spoke the word and bang! It came to be. Right? That's it. My words don't impress God long or short. My prayer isn't impressive to God. Because His words are creative. He's like, mm, yeah, let's, I, I like this idea of birds. And boom, birds are flying through the sky. I'm like, wow, I can't even draw a bird. My words don't impress God. Ultimately, if I try to impress God with my words, it's empty phrases. Long or short, you know what? My prayer with my adult words is just as effective and useful as a child's prayer with childlike words. You know when I learned that? I learned that driving from... uh, Abilene, Texas, to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, on a dark, dark night in the middle of a raging storm where we could hardly see in front of us. And I'm driving and I'm white-knuckling it. My daughter, who was probably four or five at the time, she's sitting, and we're all scared. And Angela says, Daddy, we should pray. And so I'm like, you know what, sweetheart? Why don't you pray? Because Daddy's not closing his eyes. And so she'd prayed the sweetest, simplest, childlike prayer. And we said, Amen. And within 30 seconds, I do not lie to you, the rain stopped. Massive downpour, nothing. And I really do believe it was in response to a simple child's prayer. Man, if I'd have been praying, I'd have been doing all sorts of fancy backflips, I bet. And it might not have been as effective. Our words don't impress God, so don't even try. We finish off with this. With this, uh, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So then why do I pray? You know why I pray? It isn't so God knows what I need. 
it's so that I know that I need God. Because God already knew what I needed before I even asked him. But it's my recognition of God, you are the one in control. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they might be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your goodness and your faithfulness and your great love and the invitation to come into your presence and just talk to you. We give you thanks for that opportunity. Thank you that you hear us when we pray. Lord, help us remember that we should pray continually. It's part of what being a Christian is. But help us balance that with the idea that just because we pray doesn't mean we stand rightly before you because hypocrites pray too. Let us never make it about a show but let us spend this intimate time with you without trying to impress you. And Lord, we know that you hear our prayers even before they leave our lips and you work on our behalf. And for that, we're grateful. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.